Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two, Two Player Bro- Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. All right. <laughs> anyway, welcome to another episode of Two Player Bros. Oh, I beat him to it this time. I'm player number one, Mike Butler. I'm the better player number two. Oh, I have a name. It's Alex. <laughs> All right. And this is our fourth episode. Uh, so if you guys don't know a little bit about us, we play video games. We play way too many video games. This is a podcast where we talk about all things video games done in the format like an old video game magazine. So today we're going to have ourselves a little Q&A. Then we're going to talk about a couple of previews. We're going to talk about a new game coming out at some point called Darkborn. We're going to talk about Spy Party, which is a really fun game on Steam Early Access right now. And we're going to review Division 2. And then, bro, uh, are you going to talk to us about some uh, Grand Theft Auto mods? Yeah. There's, like, crazy popularity and stuff. And we'll talk about that with the mods. (laughs) (laughs) This is going well. This is going to be a good one. I slept three hours last night. And I think you went to a Final Fantasy concert. Wait, I did? I think so. Oh, yeah, I did. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Let's dive into it. So let's get to the Q&A. Let us flip the page. Flip the page! All right, bro, we got three questions in our QSA, uh, Q&A today. Say. All right, so question number one. Who is your favorite video game villain? My favorite video game Villain. My favorite villain from a video game. Well, that has to be Handsome Jack because he is not only maniacal and twisted, murderous, scheming, rich, but he is funny AF. So you like him funny? I do. Every voice line he has in Borderlands 2 is hilarious. He's he's awesome. He's a he's he's great. I mean, he's not a great guy, but he's great. That's cool. Yeah, how about you? What's your favorite villain? My favorite villain is probably Saren from the Mass Effect trilogy, the very first one. I really like him because he is kind of how your Spectre character, how your Commander Shepard could turn out. Um, he's going after the Reapers. He ends up kind of controlled by them but he thought he could control them and you don't see it throughout the whole game he was like this honorable guy everybody looked up to though his methods were harsh he's kind of a twisted kind of torn character you know where his motivations come from he actually kills one of the members of your party which is something i haven't seen since you know like final fantasy 7 when sephiroth kills um Ares. spoiler spoiler for a game that's like 25 years old <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. So I thought Saren was a really good bad guy, and then he was made even better at the end of Mass Effect 3, which, spoiler again, uh, you have to make a choice in the end of Mass Effect 3 whether or not you're going to destroy the Reapers, control them, th- or try to control them, or kind of combine with technology. And so kind of a lot of the rumors out there are that, although if you think that you combine with technology or try to control the Reapers is a good uh, good ending, that it might actually be the bad ending. Like, that's the choice Saren was given, and it drove him mad. So you don't see it, but it's possible that what you thought was the good choice was actually the bad choice. And it was the Reapers kind of tricking you just the same way they did Saren. So I always enjoyed that. And bringing that all back around to Saren again made Saren kind of probably my favorite video game villain of all time. Whoa. Right? That's deep. I thought so. Then we got question number two. If you could visit one video game location, what would it be? Balam Garden, Final Fantasy VIII, hands down, without a doubt. And what's what is that? <laughs> it is the seed training headquarters for Balam, one of the seed gardens where they train mercenaries in Final Fantasy VIII. And why would you want to visit that place? Because it is very peaceful, and it's it feels real. There's classrooms, the background uh, music is so calming, the cafeteria. It just, like, feels like, I don't know. When I was a kid playing it, like, I felt like I was there. It just was amazing. I don't know. I just, 
it was just amazing, and I would just feel awesome whenever I would be in Blum Garden playing the game as a kid. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. How about you? I'm going to kind of beat a dead horse here and kind of go with another Mass Effect thing. You would. But uh, I would like to visit the Citadel from the first Mass Effect game, which is the uh, big city where all the kind of all the species end up coming together. It's where their central government is. And again, just like your location, the Blum Garden sound seemed real. So does the Citadel. It's a real place with shops, apartments, with a police station, with a council government. You take taxis. There's nightclubs. There's all these different things. And and the whole place really is a living, breathing kind of entity throughout the entire game series and something you keep coming back to. I love the the fact that a lot of it's kind of like this indoor forest that goes around in like a sphere, kind of like a kind of like the Halo ring. Um there's little tiny alien workers that don't really speak because they're part, just part of the Citadel, and they go around repairing all the little functions of it, and I just always really enjoyed being on the Citadel in the Mass Effect games and trying to figure out and all the little different nooks and crannies of it. Ah, the Citadel. It's my favorite shop on the Citadel. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right, and then we got a third question. What's the third question? Lay it on me. All right. What video game makes you the most angry? Hands down, Call of Duty. Any Call of Duty multiplayer. Because I'm pretty sure, and I speak for a lot of people on this, you cannot go a single round without uttering the this exact phrase. That was fucking bullshit emphasis on the fucking you can't say that was bullshit it's always that was fucking bullshit and it could be just you died normally like like it wasn't a bullshit kill at all but you're just so mad because you just lost a kill streak you know you're you're on a death streak and anything you just that was fucking bullshit that is the line uttered at all times in call of duty because it just that game just makes you mad it just it does it just i don't know what it is and i know it's not just me i'm not alone in this but you play call of duty multiplayer and you'll just get mad i'm mad thinking about it <laughs> i can tell it, it just it's infuriating but i but it's fun but it makes me mad but it's fun anyway how about you bro i mean anytime i play a fighting game with you i get pretty pissed off but i think the number one uh, cause you don't let me move. <laughs> I think the number one, uh, most frustrating game to play hands down against anybody or even the computer sometimes would be any of the Madden games, uh, where you play it and you're thinking you're playing really well and then someone intercepts the ball from you out of friggin' nowhere and they fly like they're Superman and they catch the ball. The camera does a stupid pan around and all of a sudden they run for a touchdown. You could be winning 37-0 and all of a sudden you'll get like nine interceptions in the last half of the game and you have no idea why it happened or how it's just all of a sudden interception 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 fuck that game and because it's football and i always play in like the real length you've just wasted like 45 minutes of your time because in the last 2 minutes of the game there's been a couple of impossible interceptions <sighs> Sounds sounds about right. It just, mm, uh, that and every time I play a fight, I get with you. Sorry. Yeah, whatever. Get over here. So that's our Q and A for today. Q and A. Remember, you can submit your questions to Two Player Bros Podcast at gmail dot com. Contact us on Twitter at Two Player Bros or uh, Carrier Pigeon. Carrier pigeon. I, I I prefer carrier crow, Game of Thrones style. Um, pigeons tend to be a little messy, but I'll still take them. They they poop a lot. Uh, everything poops a lot. You poop a lot. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So let's uh, flip the page. So we got a couple of previews to talk about today. The first one is a game I was excited about at E3 last year uh, from the developers, The Outsiders. Uh, it's a uh, small indie game. But it looks real good called – it was called Project White back during E3 of last year. But now it's called Darkborn. And they just released a big preview for it. 
I think it was exclusive to IGN, at least that's where I saw it. And it was a 15-minute video footage of kind of the beginning of the game. And what I think is interesting about this game is in this game, you play as uh, the bad guy. You play as the monster uh, in this Norse kind of medieval world. But is he bad guy? No, no, he good guy. He's good guy. Oh, yeah. He's not bad guy. Well, he eats people. I mean, that sounds bad, but oh, yeah. <laughs> but the people he eats seem bad, too. Exactly. Um, so you saw it. It was pretty cool, right? Yeah, no, it looked it looked okay. There, there's, there's some questions and concerns I have. Oh, yeah? Like what? Like, it looks like you get abilities and stuff in the game and whatnot. But, like, do you get to, like, maybe upgrade your claw attack and stuff? Because in the trailer, it looked like... You got, like, a bunch of all these abilities already. Are you just going to, like, keep with those abilities throughout the game? Are they going to expand upon them? Because I feel like they pretty much give you, like, so many abilities. There can't be much more to get, like, throughout the game. Yeah, I agree. It seems a little simple, I guess, in terms of, like, how it plays. Like, are you going to upgrade stuff, maybe, and things like that? It just, yeah, it just seems too simple. Well, the game is made by a studio of 20 guys, so it's a, it's a smaller studio. Um, I do think the look of the monster is really cool. I think it's an interesting look for him. Um, I also like how, as a baby monster, he's really cute, actually. And then it's juxtaposed with him eating the neck of some guy. Yep, and then he eats someone and then becomes really messed up looking. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. It does look a little straightforward and simple. Walking through, even through the forest, looked like it was just kind of like a straight path. It didn't look like you had much freedom to roam. Indeed. Uh, So hopefully that's something that kind of opens up and widens as you go through the game. I know the demo video kind of ends with this gate opening toward the actual city that you're attacking. So hopefully there's multiple paths and ways to go about playing the game. I also thought the weird Colosseum boss fight was a little odd. Where the door opens, the guy comes out, they show his name and stats. Kind of reminded me a little bit of the Coliseum in the Shadow of Mordor games. I was thinking that. I wasn't thinking of Coliseum, and I was just thinking Shadow of Mordor, yeah. It's the same way. It's kind of like you come across an elite, and it does the same thing. It says their name, and if you unlocked their traits, you get to see the traits the same exact way. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. It's a little odd. Um, so I think it's a game to look out for it's definitely interesting looking Uh, it's got a neat style the graphics are pretty good for a small team but it does seem a little simple which is I think something that uh, I don't know if you ever played a bro the game Agony nope Um, also is a game that looked good looked like it oozed with style and then you played it and it was very simplistic Um, it turned out to be not as quite as great as maybe it looked in its style. So hopefully this is not another style over substance type game. Indeed. But it's definitely something to look out for. That's Darkborn. I guess it's coming out on PC for sure. And I think they want to release it on, you know, consoles, Xbox, PlayStation 4, maybe Switch. There's something to keep an eye on. I thought the video was cool. I think we'll probably see more of it at E3 this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have a lot more plans. We'll add more stuff. And it'd be a great game. Don't. I see you <laughs> poised and ready. Don't do it. Don't. So another game. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so another game that we're going to preview today, we actually got to play a decent amount of. And I think it's the first game on Two Player Bros that we actually played together, multiplayer style. I mean, since we've been podcasting anyway. Yeah, yeah on two, yeah, two Player Bros, yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah. Hopefully there'll be more of this type of game, but it is um, Spy Party on Steam. There's a party. Oh, there's a party. There's a spy. There, There is a spy. It's spy Party. I mean, technically there's two to three spies because you get the uh, double agents. Ooh, Spies Party. <laughs> so Spy Party is a game by Chris Hecker and John Cimino. And basically it's uh, kind of like a... Uh, can't screen look old school multiplayer game that like you'd play on like a Nintendo 64 if it wasn't for the slightly complicated controls I guess although they're they're still pretty they're pretty easy to master once you do the tutorial 
Yeah, it's like it's kind of like a whodunit kind of game. I know there's a lot of those out there. This one does it pretty well. So the basic premise of the game is one person is a sniper looking at a party in different venues, and one person in that party is the spy, hence the title. Whoa. I know. So you get to choose at the beginning of the game who your party members are going to be. You choose who you're going to be if you're the spy, what character you're going to inhabit. And basically, you're given a set of simple objectives, such as swapping statues, um, bugging another person by putting something on their back, contacting any number of double agents that are on the map at that time, and flirting with somebody, and doing it all while there's a sniper out there as the other player who's playing on a different computer, can't see your screen, and basically has to guess which person on the screen, which party member is the spy doing all these things and catch them before they complete all their different missions that they have to do. I think it's 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 a really good time. It's simple, but it's fun. I mean, we were laughing right off the bat, you know, taking out unsuspecting party guests. Dude, the old lady. That old lady did not see it coming. She's so sneaky. <laughs> you never suspect the old lady. Absolutely. She's so innocent, but she's not. She just looks innocent. And she was flirting hardcore. Flirting hardcore. She tagged someone's butt with the bug thing. All without anyone noticing. She's old, <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, it was a great time. We played it. We laughed pretty much every round. Uh, it is, I think... The game claims that you f- it favors the sniper in the beginning part of the game. Uh, the more you play the game, the more you unlock. But I thought being the sniper was actually surprisingly difficult right off the bat. They do a good job at making the player control characters and the computer control characters all kind of walk around straight, but also kind of like <laughs> morons. So you can never know who's the computer and who's the player. Yeah, and you just get answered. You're just like, I know who you are. And then you just shoot dark person. Yep. It's just, it's a, you have a time limit. You don't want to be the one who just waits till the end. You don't want to just kind of focus. You want to be the one who gets it as soon as possible. You just want to be like, aha, and then you shoot some innocent person and you feel terrible about yourself. For the rest of your life, you go to a bar, drink, your sorrows away. How could you do that? How could you end that innocent person's life? And then two seconds later, you press restart game and you do it all over again. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the graphics are pretty simple. <laughs> It looks, it looks like a Nintendo 64 game to me, which I think is why I kind of gravitated toward it to begin with. I actually kind of like the style of the game. Yeah, it's pretty good. And because it's so minimalistic, the game's only like 250 megabytes. So you don't have to waste a bunch of hard drive space. It installs really quick. You installed it in what, 12 seconds? Four seconds. Four <laughs> seconds. Yep. It was like a large picture <laughs> for him. Yeah, basically. Thanks, um, Comcast. Shout out to Comcast. Hey. Uh, so basically, yeah. I mean, we played kind of back-to-back. I was on my laptop. He was on his desktop. So we didn't, quote-unquote, screen look. Uh, but that's kind of the fun of the game is not screen looking, trying to find the little intricacies of, of what's going on. And as the spy, you can always fake the other person out by using the code word banana bread, which is how you contact the double agent. Banana bread. Do it somewhere else. Why is it called banana bread? Because he was eating, the developer was eating the banana bread when he was writing that part of the game. This is true. He says it during the tutorial. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't yet, give Spy uh, Party a chance. It is twenty four ninety nine, which I think actually is a little much for a game in early access. Yeah, it's like so simple that it is. So simple. I mean, it is fun. I mean, I think I got... Twenty four ninety nine out of enjoyment out of it, but it was a tough purchase to make right off the bat because it is when you look at the game at face value, there's not a ton going on there. Especially since you bought a copy for me too. You're welcome, bro. Thanks, bro. Uh thanks to Steam's gifting ability. But yeah, it's I think Spy Party is a great game. It's still in early access, so I guess they're adding more features. There are a few features we didn't get to play yet, but I think we've pretty much got the game down pat we understand what it is yeah so when the game comes out because we are going to we are previewing it we will review it formally 
But for now, if I had to put a score on this game, I'd probably give it a I'd give it a seven point five. Only maybe only because of the price. If it was a little cheaper, I'd bring it to an eight. But I think it's not quite worth the twenty four ninety nine yet. But it is a really fun time. I would give it a six. It wasn't bad. It wasn't average. It was a little bit above average. But there's a lot they need to work on still. I mean, the banana bread is so it it sounds like it was recorded on banana bread. <laughs> using banana bread. See, I think that's part of the charm, though. Yeah, but there's that, and obviously just the whole lobby menu and layout and everything is like an IRC chat from the early 2000s. I will agree with that. Yeah, that was rough to look at. And I feel like they could add a lot more content. Yeah, I wouldn't mind more stuff going on in the game. Uh, but I think that's why it's an early access. I think they'll just add over time. I don't know when exactly. they plan on releasing, but... So, for now, it's it's a six for me, just because I feel like they could do a lot more. Sure. That's fair. It's still got a long way to go. The score will probably improve over time as the game improves. So, I would say, if you're on the fence about the game, wait till it comes out, because I'm sure it won't be much more than twenty four ninety nine, or wait for it, wait to find it on sale. Uh, but it is a really fun time. I can't imagine it would be that fun with strangers, though. That's what one thing as well. I think it would be far... It, you need someone you know and are kind of on a on game chat or on Skype or in the same room with to play. Hmm. Indubitably. Yes. And anyway, that's our uh, preview section. So let's uh, flip. Flip the page. Flip the page. All right, and it's time for the review section today. Review them all. Yeah, I'm just gonna review one. I had planned to review a few different games, but that didn't really end up happening. Because adulting is hard. Yeah, a lot of adulting. Games are long now. So I only got to really... You know what else is long? Uh, what? The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I only really got to play Division 2 for any long length of time. But I gotta say, I really... Well, I'm I'm somebody who actually really liked the first Division. It wasn't great starting off, but it was still a lot of fun. It didn't have all the features it has now, which... Now Division 1 is is a, is a much more full experience, but I always enjoyed the cover mechanics, the shooting mechanics. I enjoyed the look and style of the game. I enjoyed that it was almost a one-to-one rec- recreation of Manhattan because you and I live so close there, I've, and I went to school in New York. I could go around and go like, oh, I know that place. I know that place. I've, I've been there. It's really cool to walk around kind of a recreation of New York when you're not just kind of swinging above it or flying above it. It's the one where you're actually on the ground. So I thought that was pretty cool, but I get why some people didn't think it had enough features and and some stuff wasn't quite as great as as maybe it was promised to be. The Dark Zone kind of was just like, you're going in there, you're looting, and you're stealing. As the game went on, though, you got a lot more features, and Division 2 starts with all these updates, all these features right off the bat. You go into the game, immediately the game feels tighter, the graphics in Washington, D.C. are better, the game takes place in the summertime, so you get a lot more diverse stuff. You get, you know, plants, and the fact that it's Washington, D.C., it's a lot more open, so you get underground sewers you get the subway tunnels you get these tall buildings like the first division but you also get a lot of gardens you get you know the washington monument you get the capitol building the game starts out with you fighting for the white house which is pretty epic the guns feel tighter they feel more powerful right off the bat and the first thing i noticed which i said in the beta is the game's a little harder right off the bat you don't feel like you're owning the game throughout the whole game there are a lot of moments where you're like wow i feel like i can I could use some help here, or I can, you know, I should squad up. It it makes you feel like you need to get that kind of multiplayer feel without ever bogging you down or ever making you feel like it is a a multiplayer game where you're not affecting the story because while you're walking around the open world, the open world is still yours to explore. Only the missions are multiplayer. So when you leave the mission, it still depends on how you completed the mission and how many missions you've completed. There's tons of stuff to do in the world. There's random events. There's supply drops. There's different settlements. There's different control points you have to get. Uh, There's a conflict mode, which I played a little bit of today, which is kind of like a normal multiplayer deathmatch mode, which kind of plays like Gears of War if it had, you know, skills like uh, the drones and the turrets and all those, like, special moves. I 
got my ass handed to me every single time because I think a lot of those other players have beaten the main game. So now they're just playing the multiplayer mode and I'm just uh, I'm about halfway through right now. So I actually got pretty mad at the game. I almost listed the division as uh, during the Q&A as the game that got me the most angry because I was swearing at it pretty hard earlier about how it was cheap. But it was still fun. Uh, the Dark Zone's still in it, which is always a good time. You go in, it's kind of a lawless zone, so it's much like the main area of the game where it's an open world, but now there's a lot of other players around this open world, and they have the ability to team up with you, to take on enemies and get loot, and extract it for, you know, to keep the loot, or you can be an enemy and kind of steal the loot and attack the other players. It's kind of a lawless, fun zone. I think the story's a little tighter. I think that the fact that there's two factions you're fighting against, and then when you beat the game immediately, without any kind of DLC having come out yet, there's already a third um, enemy party that comes into play in the game uh, that makes the game harder, introduces new enemy types, and basically just increases the life of the game, as well as giving you new skills and stuff to learn. Also, Ubisoft is supporting this game. It's free. DLC as the game goes on so you don't have to buy any kind of season passes and stuff like that everything to monetize the game is just based on like clothing pieces hats sunglasses extra pants and uniforms your character is going to wear which i know you're not a big fan of cosmetic loot boxes yes i know you're not a big loot box fan but i think you would agree that the most harmless would be the cosmetic ones Indeed, as long as you get, in my opinion, if you're going to put that in the game, you need a chance to roll for those items without paying money. And there is. Every time you level up, you get, um, every few times you level up, you get a cosmetic box that you can open up and it gives you some stuff. As well, you outfit your guy at the beginning of the game as well. Then that's okay. That works. There is a raid coming out soon, I think at the end of this month, I believe, an eight-player raid, which will be the first in Division history. And any Division fan who also plays Destiny, which I think there is a decent amount of crossover in, uh, would enjoy the raids. I, for one, am wishy-washy in the raids. I like the idea of the raids. I don't like the idea that a raid takes several hours to beat. It's just like World of Warcraft. Yeah, I just don't know about, what if I have to, like, go to the bathroom or, like... Can you tell your squad to wait? Uh, I, I, I don't know. And it takes even longer. That really pulls you out of the game. <laughs> yep. I'll give it a try. Uh, but the game is really fun. I really enjoy it. I think anybody who was only was, was slightly disappointed by The Division, but still enjoyed the core gameplay, give Division 2 a chance. It's definitely worth it. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of different modes to try out and play. They really added a lot, and I think they put a lot into this game. Uh, it definitely makes me want to keep picking it up whenever I had a free moment I was like I should play some Division 2 beat at least a couple missions every day try out the new skills see if I can get my character a new scarf or a hat (laughs) and level up my guy and unlock more of the city and and save more of the stuff and unlocking and upgrading the settlement is cool too you see the people in one of the settlements early on in the game expand and come to life and get more stuff and be start out off as kind of like a sad tightly wound kind of community and really spreading out and you see the kids start to play barbecues you see clean water and battery packs and solar panels set up so that's pretty cool to see your progress represented in such a clear way in the game hmm. so i would have to give the vision uh probably probably a 9.0 i i really enjoy it's a high score it is a very high score I really enjoy the graphics, the look of the game, the recreation of Washington, D.C. I really enjoy the core gameplay. I really love kind of cover shooters, especially ones that are a little more tactical, kind of Tom Clancy style. I know you were talking about how we both love Rainbow Six for its kind of tactical style. Indeed, especially in the N64 version. Exactly. This is a little less realistic because it does have RPG elements, but I think that helps the game. I think the loot's really cool and trying out all the different weapons. There are so many different types of machine guns and rifles, even within themselves, that it's it's fun to kind of try each one out and go, oh, I like this one because it's got a better rate of fire, but more power, and the trade-off between the two. I really am a sucker for the, the core gameplay, and there's just so much to do that I would have to give this a 9.0. It's a really fun game that I think a lot of people are going to keep coming back to especially as they release more stuff for free. And I always appreciate a game that says outright, you pay for this game, 
right now. And we will continue supporting this game for as long as you guys keep playing that. And I think Overwatch does the same thing, which I also appreciate. So I, I like that in a game. So 9.0 for me for Division. High score. Division 2. Pick it up. PlayStation, Xbox, and PC on the Epic Game Store or the Uplay Store. So that does it for reviews. So uh, let us flip, flip the page. Flip page. All right, bro. Bro. Um, I guess we can call this another site, like a community, a gaming community section of the uh, the podcast, because you brought to my attention a really interesting phenomenon. Yeah, uh, like a weird genre of Grand Theft Auto Five mods that I didn't know existed. Indeed, role play. But like, and, and role play, I'm not surprised. But the uh, the amount that they role play, why don't you just tell us a little bit about this? How deep this role playing is, because it's shocking. So. I was watching one of the lesser-known servers. I think the guy I was watching is Chad Chadoy, I believe, on YouTube. And he was playing on a Penn State server. It's it's not as in-depth as, uh, you know, the main servers that the big league streamers play on. But it's still hilarious, the interactions that go on. For example, we, we watched one of his YouTube videos where he goes and finds this random guy out in the desert and threatens him with a gun to get in his van and tells him that when we find another, he, they find another player to tell him a story about how the killer, the guy with the gun who's threat- doing the threatening, killed another guy recently in a lake. And while they're telling the story, this murderer would sneak up behind the person listening to the story and be stabbed. And I know I said that really confusingly. <laughs> but, yeah, if you have to go back and replay that like five times. Just, <laughs> just, yeah. But. Now, here's, the, here's what gets me. Why this is so crazy. Why is that person just staying there? While the other guy's got the gun on him. Because they have to roleplay or they will be banned from the server. And that's just... Like, so they they never broke character that entire video. Nope. And the police as well. I mean... Yeah, all the all the police, the, the AI is gone from the game. The only AI, I think, are some random uh, driving uh, cars. Random NPCs driving cars, I think. But there's there's no police. If if you do something bad, player police need to stop you. And you have to pull over, kind of like real life. Yeah, exactly. And they, and they actually say, you know, do you know why I pulled you over? You see the gun on, on, it's not like the guns are hidden, the guns are like on your person. Yep. It's just, it's insane how realistic and in-depth it is. So this guy going around basically serial killing people. Yep. Is literally just, just tricking people into hearing the story from another guy while he sneaks up behind him and stabs him and the people are listening because they're unarmed because guns are expensive because mm-hmm. they bought their car with their own real cash there's one guy who was playing role playing as a hillbilly and only wanted to hear the sto- the story if it was a real life american uh a real life american story about apple pie and and, <laughs> and the american sniper himself i mean it's just insane <laughs> It's hilarious. I mean, in in the more drawn out uh, mods too, you can uh, you can be like Uber drivers and make money that way. Um, you actually have to hotwire cars. You actually have to go inside banks to deposit your money. Uh, you the internet features use heavily uh, calling. If you call a cab on the cell phone like you would normally do in. In GTA, instead of getting an AI uh, cab driver, you actually get connected to voice chat <laughs> with an in-game cab driver who then has to drive to you and you have to pay him to drive you to wherever you need to go because it's difficult to hotwire cars in this mod. So you can't just hotwire a car and drive away. You most likely will fail if you don't get caught by a cop and then you'll get arrested. But... Yeah, the better idea is just to call a cab driver and have him take you somewhere if you don't have a car. Now, here's what I don't get. When you... What what happens if you get arrested? Do you actually have to stay in jail? They do or? have jails, yes. Uh, for a predetermined amount of time you're in that jail? Yes. <laughs> usually it's not too long. It's like, they usually say like like 10 minutes at half an hour. It's, it's nothing usually terrible. That's still pretty funny. Yeah. You have to go to jail and... Yep. 
And I saw when um, – so the serial killer and his accomplice, they eventually, after a surprisingly long amount of time, uh, fail because they get shot by a guy running an orange fruit stand. Not even the cops can yep. stop them. Oh. <laughs> and his accomplice, his little – the serial killer's little sidekick is taking the bullet out of him with a with a knife – and there's a like they basically roll for a chance for success and fail, and he bleeds out dead, and then you have to start a new character. <laughs> you have to make up a whole new persona. It's really crazy. If you haven't watched the videos, um, what they're was the, everywhere. Uh, look up like YouTube serial killer on the Grand Theft Auto mods and stuff like that. It's just ridiculous the um, the lengths they go to to role play, but still within this ridiculous world. Yep. I didn't think I was going to like it at first, and then Alex showed me, and I was pleasantly it's hilarious. surprised. It's just hilarious. Everyone's so into it. Everyone is so into their characters. I, I don't know if I could ever do it myself, but it is fun to watch. <laughs> it definitely. Uh, so, for that, I say, thank you, bro. You're welcome. And for the enlightenment. All right, so, I think that's it for our community section. When we find more interesting and fun communities like that, uh, we'll definitely highlight them in that kind of segment. But for now, let's flip the page. Flip it. All right, bro. bro. So you actually went to, and I mean, this is going to be shocking in a, in a podcast about video games, a real life thing this weekend. I, I, left, I left the cave of my house. I went into the sunlight and my friend and I drove all the way to Boston. Not for PAX. Not for PAX, but for the Distant Worlds music from Final Fantasy concert. So, still video game related. It is. <laughs> so, it is. it was my fourth time actually going to this in Boston, but they tour around the world. That's how loved and amazing Final Fantasy music is. I'm sure a lot of you listening to the podcast have played Final Fantasy games before, and it wouldn't be a Final Fantasy game without the music. Final Fantasies are all extremely story-driven games, and what makes a moment emotional is soundtrack in movies, shows, and video games. Absolutely. Soundtrack kind of conveys the emotion of a scene. And the original composer of the Final Fantasy series, uh, Nobuo Uematsu, um, he is, he's just a musical genius. I believe Time Magazine, a few years back, named him as one of the uh, top 100 composers of the modern time. He also had one of the tracks from Final Fantasy VIII on Japan's top billboards for that year, Eyes on Me by Fei Wong. I really like the Final Fantasy VII theme. The main theme? I think so. That that's the Final Fantasy VII theme is really I know you were play, I think you played it before I picked it up and tried it. Uh, was the music is that main theme from Final Fantasy VII that was just amazing, especially for mm-hmm. back then, like a full orchestra playing a theme, an original theme. Indeed. So unfortunately Nobu wasn't there this year because he's kind of taking a break um, from everything because he's he's getting older. He's just run down from running around all the time and everything. So he's not doing any composing right now. He's not going to any tours. He's just kind of staying home with his family and kind of collecting himself before he returns to being a musical genius. Mm. Um. But who was there was Arnie Roth, and Arnie Roth is a award-winning conductor uh, who actually started out and and uh, conducted a Barbie concert, which is hilarious. That's where he actually started to like break out and become popular, and then Square Enix, uh, Square Enix, I think it's, it's actually Enix. Square we Enix. It was Enix yeah. the other day, yeah. Um, discovered him i think from that and since the voices of final fantasy concert back in 2007 i believe was the year in japan that was the first final fantasy concert and he composed that and or sorry conducted that and uh all the other concerts since 
Uh, now he does Distant Worlds, which is just the, the one the world tour of it. He conducts, so he's a pretty awesome dude. Um, also in attendance was Susan Calloway, who is the main singer for all the songs that have lyrics, basically, in Final Fantasy fourteen, the MMO. The opening scene answers. Um, very powerful scene. She beautiful voice. It just it just makes the scene. And that, that song was actually composed by Nobuo Yamatsu also. Um I guess one thing I forgot to say, Nobuo Yamatsu did all the Final Fantasy music from one to nine and did a few songs in ten, but then kinda stopped doing Final Fantasy music and did his own thing. After ten movies that or ten video games. Which are yeah. even longer. That's understandable. More than 10, because that's just the 10 numbered games, too. There's, like, Tactics and 10-2, or not 10-2, but all the other ones he did the music for also. But he came back, and every every now and then he comes back and does, like, a few things. Like, he did the Final Fantasy. He uh, created that song, Answers. But, uh, yeah, Susan Calloway. Uh, she was, he's an amazing singer. She sung all the other uh, songs that had lyrics in them from the other Final Fantasy games, like Final Fantasy uh, Eight's Eyes on Me. She sings when she does these Distant Worlds concerts, Melodies of Life. That's the one from Nine? That is the one from Nine. I like that one, too. And finally, also in attendance, was the composer of Final Fantasy Fifteen, Yoko Shimomura, who actually, um, before she composed music for Square Enix, she composed music for Capcom games, including some of the songs in Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Ooh. Indeed. So she's pretty amazing. I mean, if you hear Final Fantasy XV's music, um, it's it's just so impactful and epic. Like, you just, like, feel pumped when you hear it. And she she just did an amazing job. So the funny story is, when I bought the tickets for these this concert... I just went on the website, and I lazily just picked best seats. Just give me the best seats, whatever. And they were pretty expensive. I was like, huh, why are these seats 200 bucks? I don't know. I'm going to buy them. And I told my friend, hope you're happy with uh, paying $200 for tickets, because that's what I got. And I didn't realize until I got home and checked my email that the reason they were so expensive is because they were VIP tickets. Nice. <laughs> and what that meant was... After the concert, there was a post-concert meet-and-greet with uh, Arnie Roth, uh, Susan Calloway, and Yoko Shimomura. And my friend freaked out because he was super nervous and never actually beat any Final Fantasy games. He just really likes the music. <laughs> but that was amazing. So I, I was able to meet them and talk to them of how much I love the music and was able to tell Susan Calloway how, like... <laughs> amazing it was and how the shivers i got from uh hearing answers the first time during that opening cutscene cinematic in 14 um and you know took a picture with them and got them to sign my playbook and it was it was a pretty awesome night did you tell me to do a video game podcast i did not <laughs> did not could have spread the word yes let me just tell some three random um, awesome famous people well, famous enough people. They're semi-famous. They're 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 at the level where they can help. Always be plugging. <laughs> ABP. <laughs> uh, they would have been like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, wait till we get to episode fifty-four. That's when we really take off. <laughs> I'm glad you had a good time. No, Sounds cool. That was fun. It was a great time. Do you know where they're going next in the Distant Worlds concert? I think this weekend they are not in the U.S. anymore. I know that much. Uh no, they're in Distant Worlds. Yes. Somewhere. I, I I don't remember where. But they're definitely not in the U.S. They hop around everywhere. So if you like Final Fantasy music, or, you know, filmic kind of music in general, you would recommend this concert? I would. And there's something I did forget to say. So during the concert, they have a screen where they show um, gameplay footage that matches up with the music they're showing. Um, one of the songs they do, or did, rather, is the opening to Final Fantasy VII, which leads into the bombing mission. So, this is my fourth time going to these concerts. I've heard them do this one before, and I've seen 
on the screen the gameplay footage they use for this song as they play it. Oh, I think I know where this might be going. However, it started off like normal, showed the gameplay of Final Fantasy VII, and then all of a sudden, they started showing remake footage (sighs) that pretty much no one else has seen yet. And the crowd just went absolutely bonkers in the the like in in the concert hall when they just all of a sudden uh you see the train come in and it was the 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 old PlayStation train and then they cut to crazy fully modern uh cloud jumping down and then everyone's like oh yeah it was just amazing <laughs> just just to see all the the new fo- the footage and everything um and then he uh actually one of the Square Enix producers was in attendance too and Arnie Roth the compo- uh conductor had us all kind of chant give us the remake give <laughs> us the remake and it was amazing they always do two songs at all their concerts he said too and i think this is the first time they actually mentioned it and uh actually makes sense cuz i've heard it at every single concert they always do two's anarchin from final fantasy 10 which is one of Nobuo Uematsu's favorite songs that he ever composed for Final Fantasy games. And also, it's always the encore. You can't leave the concert without One Winged Angel. The most epic bad guy song in all of video games. You know it. Everyone knows it. I probably do. (laughs) Sephiroth. Sephiroth theme. Okay. Oh, that's all I need to sing yep. for people to know it. Sephiroth. I could sing more, though, because I know all the lyrics by heart. Do they play the battle wind theme? That's, so that's how they start. So he, they start the concert off by playing, you know, the prelude that starts off pretty much every Final Fantasy game. You know that one. Yes. Um,. And then after that, he's he's like, okay, we can't go into this next song without doing something first. And he readies everyone, gets everyone super prepared. Na 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 na. Nice. And this nice. ends it. And <laughs> just amazing. Do they show Cactuar on the screen? Uh, no, but they do have an amazing uh, medley of all the Chocobo remixes. I do like the that, Chocobos. Uh, I believe Arnie actually put together himself for the 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy. And they kind of just toured with that, and it's amazing. It's adorable. So many cute little chocobos on the screen. I do love me some chocobos. But, yeah, it was a fun time. Very fun time. It's cool. Sounds like a good time. They have a lot of different songs in the repertoire, so if you go to one Distant Worlds concert, you probably won't hear all the songs they have, so... Go to another one, and another one, and another one to hear them all. All right, so uh, check out the Distant Worlds concert next time it's in an area near you. Check on their website for uh, tickets. Indeed. So uh, I think we can flip the page. Flip the page. All right, so that's it for this episode of Two Player Bros. Thanks for joining us, guys. If uh, you like what you heard or you want to hear more or you're glutton for punishment, please like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you have found us or wherever you'd like to find us. We're available on Apple. We're available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. You can find us on our own homepage as well on www.twoplayerbros.com. Remember to send us your questions or just any kind of comments you want on any of our social medias. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Two Player Bros. You can find us on Instagram at Two Player Pod, on Twitter at Two Player Bros. And uh, yeah, drop us a line, ask us a question for the Q&A, or just let us know how we're doing. Uh, now it's plug time. Bro, what do you got going on? Um, I still have my Twitch channel that I'm working on. Have at the time of recording this, I have not streamed in over a week because life is hard. But um, yeah, if you want to see me play some video games, some that we talk about, come to my Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/Evangelix, A-V-E-N-G-A-L-E-X, and uh, join me while I 
casually, mostly casually, play some games. And maybe uh, subscribe with their Prime account? They could subscribe with their Prime account. Completely free. Doesn't cost them anything. Just forces Amazon to give me some money. Which is always nice. Yeah. Because you broke. Yeah. I need a car. (laughs) I need a car desperately. All right. And then I, of course, have this Two Player Bros podcast. We all, I also have cracking one open with Mike and Elise, where my fiance and I, Elise, crack open a beer, usually a craft beer from a local brewery um, in and around the Northeast. We talk about what's in it, what it tastes like, a little bit about the brewery itself, and then we kind of chill with you guys. We talk about the latest in pop culture news and reviews, and that's cracking one open with Mike and Elise. Pretty chill podcast, available pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. And starting May 1st, I've got Forgotten Cinema with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about movies that, for whatever reason, have been forgotten about by most people. And we talk about what we remember fondly about it, and whether or not it deserves a second listen. So that's Forgotten Cinema, which starts May 1st. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And a special thanks to Ozd from Ozd.net for the theme tune at the beginning and end of our show, getting started from the Friendship Adventures soundtrack. So if you like that song or if you like other awesome retro chip tunes, please check out his other songs at Ozd, O-Z-Z-E-D.net. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's all we've got at Two Player Bros. Please like and subscribe. And remember, keep on gaming. Do, 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 do.